Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I, I know you are, but what am I? <laughs> <laughs> I am, oh my God. Francis is your husband. I'm sorry, Natalie. I'm just going to go ahead and say it right now. Francis is your husband a thousand percent. Oh, you think he don't know that? He, of course he knows it. The entire time I was like, this is, that was my entire life growing up. Welcome guys. We are talking. I think that you saw the topic headline. We are talking about Paul Rubens, AKA Pee Wee Herman. We're mostly talking about the Pee Wee Herman side of Paul Rubens. Right. We're not going to get too far into like blow or anything like that. We really want to tell the story of Pee-wee. Yeah, because it is a very interesting from start and to still going on because as Mm -hmm. we will hear, a one Miss Natalie Jean went to go see his very small tour that he is in the process of right now just a couple of days ago. That's right. So he's still at it. I forgot. That's why we're recording on Sunday. Yeah, amazing. I'm so excited to hear about it. Ah. I am. This has been such a delight for me. We'll get into our gush. Hi, guys. I'm Jackie Zabrowski. I'm Natalie Jean. (laughs) I got in front of you. And I am Holden McNeely. Is is that your version of Pee Wee Herman? Oh, that's your... Yeah, that's what he sounds like. Pee Wee Herman sounds like this. Hi, I'm Pee Wee Herman. No, you're not. That's that's what Holden thinks a little... Kid sounds like I guess. Um, I'm sure that you. I think that we are all on the same page here. That I idolize Pee Herman. He was such a huge part of my upbringing too. And I still, even just sitting and watching all these videos, all the movies again. I, I mean, I, I watched, I watched Pee Wee's Playhouse for hours mm-hmm. the other day and I had a smile on my face the entire oh damn my God, time right? and all these memories kept flooding back because I've seen the movies a hundred thousand times mm-hmm. but I haven't gone back and revisited Pee Wee's Playhouse right. in a minute which is a bit of a different beast Completely. I definitely for me it's all about big adventure yes. Yes. I watched that movie so much and getting to see it again today and we'll talk more about it once we get to the, that movie but I really seeing it today or, or seeing it this past week uh, and really thinking about what it meant to me back then, but also what it is just in general. Uh, it, it just nails this tone. It nails this vibe for a children's movie that is so unique and so different. It is the most unpredictable movie I think ever made. <laughs> 
Like, it is just like you never know what the fuck is going to happen next. Fuck, you and- said the secret word. Ah! <laughs> so wait, is fuck the secret word today? Yeah, all right. Today. We're in trouble. <laughs> That's gonna, we're going to have to stop and scream a lot. But yeah, it, it is just this amazing nightmare it is so the the world so of Pee Wee Herman, like when he leaves his hometown, the the outside world is such a sinister, evil, dark that's place. Funny, that's Isn't it, it is Holden? Yes, it kind of is. <laughs> it is so hilarious, like just how just horrendous and fucked up. Ah, ah! every single like element of the real world is outside of his fun crazy you know situation in his hometown yeah i just miss movies i think like pixar's done a great job of cutting to real emotion stuff cutting to real sucks growing up kind of emotion stuff confronting death and coco but there's something missing in films today for kids that Wee's big adventure has and it really is genuinely just terrifying well also because it's not it's for kids, but it's not for kids. But that's the genius of, of Pee Wee Herman yes. is that it is yeah. subversive, but in such an innocent way, but also a naughty way, but yeah. also accessible to children, but also completely fun for adults to watch. And it's so hard to, to strike that balance. Most people can't do it. No. So for me, I mean, all right, there were two parts that freaked me out the most and that would be when the bike first goes missing and that clown is laughing at him I Very, literally with the waving okay yes which weirdly enough the clown doctors and I don't have a big issue with clowns this no. is the only clown that's ever really freaked me out to be quite honest with you and then um the and the clown doctors in the nightmare the that clown he has honestly doctors. didn't mess with me as bad oh it, really? it was that was a scary part but nothing compared to the weirdly enough as a little kid the laughing clown okay. statue that's when one. he gets his bike stolen and of course obviously Obviously, large Marge. Marge. Okay, cool. Jackie, what about you? What are your scary parts in the movie? Um, I was always, I think this is more of like a sexual tension for me, Whoa. but I was always scared and completely mystified by the dude that picks him up. What's his name? The mattress tag guy. The, I, the mattress tag guy. I was always completely in love with him, but terrified of him. And I remember <laughs> I would always get really close to the screen when he was on wow. because I was completely, I was so drawn to him and terrified. Terrified of a him. dive into your <laughs> psyche. So I think that right. I think because even watching again, I'm just like because now I'm just like, why did I think that that was so scary and alluring? I I have no <laughs> idea. And of course, it was and the clown doctors in Large Marge. Okay. Oh, was there any more? Sorry. And Francis, but that's just because again, Francis <laughs> reminded me of Henry of the t- sort of emotional abuse you suffered as a child yeah, at yeah. the hands of Natalie's husband. Yeah. I, uh, <laughs> since we just got to watch it again, which I've seen it a million times, but I got to really revisit. I, I noted the things that scared me as a kid. So there was in the magic shop when he's doing the different sized heads. Yes, Ooh, and that is yes. Alistair Crowley's head, that giant one. That is, Ooh. yeah, that's that scared the shit out of me. Obviously, the large Marge scene. The clown, the only clown that scared me was the doctor who pulled his uh, thing off his face and he had the clown yes. mouth. Yeah. What was that? <laughs> and it's then, so crazy. That's what it is. <laughs> and then, yeah, and uh, and the snakes. I was not afraid oh, of snakes. God. I was not, I still am not, but. 
the fact that you could tell Paul Rubens was genuinely afraid of those snakes scared the shit out of Did me. We, I, I mean, forgot about that pet store part, and I was dying, dying. laughing. It. it is just so, so out of nowhere good. and so funny. Natalie and I both read Inside Pee-wee's Playhouse, the untold, unauthorized, and unpredictable story of a pop phenomenon. What an interesting book. Oh, yeah. But I'd love, too, that they talked about, because Paul Rubens actually is very terrified of snakes. So he had, and Tim Burton kind of forced him to do it anyway <laughs> and he did actually pass out what twice while they were rehearsing yeah. because he didn't want to touch the snakes it wow. would i'd feel that way if it was spiders yeah yeah i just love that tim burton made him do it yeah. anyway made him do it. and especially in as we tell this tale of the creation of Pee Wee herman it's so interesting because he had such complete control over what happened with the character. The fact that when he was on sets and when he was working with other people, he did usually open up of like, okay, well, if that's what you want, like they don't control the character and what the character does, yeah. but they he did lend himself to being controlled by the, like, the actions of... Pee Wee Herman and I thought that that was actually a good like I kept wanting I kept waiting for it to be like and then he was a piece of garbage where he's screaming I'm Pee Wee Herman <laughs> god damn it but he didn't get to that point oh. I think it's because Prince scarred me yeah you were just but that's great you wait you anticipate the worst and then it doesn't seem that and bad it's delightful <laughs> but it, what a wonderful way to grow up and I, if I ever have children I know they are going to be subjected to watching lots of Pee Wee Herman and especially down to I realize now in watching the like Pee Pee Wee's Playhouse of I wanted that I remember I had painted the inside of one of my doors red because I wanted it to be like Pee Wee's Playhouse like the kind of things like taking whatever little elements I could Mm -hmm. to make it and I would pretend like the chair would talk but then it was also really backwards from look who's talking to when the (laughs) toilet talked and then that then cherry started to scare me they made a lot of shit talk when we were kids. They really did. Yeah. They loved to make inanimate things talk. I think that we really grew up in the best time of having the shit scared out of us by things that were technically <laughs> supposed to be for kids. And that's yeah. why I want the world to start scaring children again yes. in films and things because I, for some reason... I think that it's important, and I don't know why, but it was it, it made the movie really feel like a roller coaster ride. It made a lot of his stuff feel that way because you just were always on the edge of your seat. You were like, I love this character and this world, and this is so made for me. And then they would just rip the rug right out from under you with some terrifying image or moment. And even Large Marge, this past time watching it, Lexi was uh, not home. It was nighttime. I was watching the movie, and when the Large Marge part happened, I was just like, oh, I remember when this used to scare the hell out of me. Good thing I'm an adult now and this kind of stuff doesn't get to me. And then I literally like, I was watching, I was like, actually, no, I like, I might need to turn the lights on right now. This is still legitimately scary yes. in a children's movie. Yeah. Well, it's the same with in Pee Wee's Big Holiday and watching that again, mm-hmm. the newest one, when the women's faces started to melt and morph <laughs> like he had taken acid. I forgot about that part. I was like, why, 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 why? Okay, it's fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is great that it can still do this to me. Now, before we get into the the beginning of the actual creation, uh, just this 
This quote stuck out to me that a professor was writing about Pee Wee Herman and Paul Rubens, and he had said, It always struck me as one of the most bizarre progressions of modern culture that a strange midnight comedy act full of sexual ambiguity and subversiveness in the original act, Pee Wee had mirrors on his shoes mm-hmm. so he could look up girls' skirts, would have evolved into the most important children's TV show since Sesame Street. This is such an insane, this is a late night comedian Mm -hmm. that fell into becoming a child's host. This is not where he thought his life was going to go. He was kind of just riding the train. And what an inspiration to other comedians of, you know, sometimes you just got to follow it and see where it fucking takes you. Mm -hmm. And he really did. So let's start about, let's talk talk about Paul Rubens. All right. Paul Rubens grew up in Sarasota, Florida. His parents owned a lamp store. Also, Sarasota is where the winter headquarters of Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus were, which he loved to frequent. He also loved watching reruns of I Love Lucy, which was his first big comedy influence, which I think makes a lot of sense. I love this about Ruben's childhood neighbors included lion tamers, high wire artists, and little people. Eccentricity was the norm. One day, they heard the explosion, and this is him this is Paul Rubin saying this quote and we saw a man shooting through the sky in between two houses and we were later to find out it was the Zakiti family and they were shooting each other out of cannons in the backyard and we had heard that for a couple of months and didn't know what it was which of course comes into play later on in Big Top Pee Wee and as another movie that was Ripped apart for some reason, but you know what? I watched it a hundred thousand times as well, a kid. It, it, Henry was just talking about how it was. He saw that more because it was one of those shows, yeah. or movies that was on rotation on HBO. All the time, we watched it yep, all the time. All the time, and it like I have a lot of memories of get-togethers for camp or something like that, and it was just that movie that they would put on. It was like they had the VHS, those. the one tape that they put on. Yeah, yeah. like. Like at a lock-in or something like that. Oh, like yeah. That's the Man, movie I they forgot about lock-ins. Oh, right? Shit. What a nightmare to lock a bunch of children into a, <laughs> into a place overnight. Sorry, that's a They're whole They're like other. getting us kid- <laughs> prepared for kidnapping. Absolutely. Terrible. I didn't mean to jump to Big Top, but we, we will get there. Um, about I Love Lucy... Paul Rubin said, I wanted to be little Ricky. I would sit on the floor in Oneonta, New York as a four-year-old and think, how am I going to get to Hollywood? What am I doing here? When I went to college, I wanted to be avant-garde and weird. I got some of that going, which he definitely did. (laughs) He definitely did. I think I actually connect to that for sure. And that's definitely where you start out, where it's like you start out. I always say that there are two types, at least when I was coming up in comedy, there were two types of comics their first year. They were either uh, Andy Kaufman or um, Bill Hicks. That was that was one of the two. Pick one. Yes. That's what you're going to be your first year. <laughs> yep. And then you find your voice. And, and like, you figure something else out. And I was totally Andy Kaufman. I was just like, I'll just, I, I, I'm so afraid of actually writing jokes, so I'll just weird the audience out for my 10 minutes and get off stage. I mean, you definitely did that with, what did you, you had a. I made everybody clap their hands very slowly in unison. And then I would fall to the floor. Come on, clap your hands. And then I would clap to the floor clapping. and dry hump the floor while moaning until they stopped. Wait, when was this? That was point? my big closer in my stand-up set. <laughs> What, 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 what age 20s. range was in your 20s? Yeah, yeah. That's my, that was my big closer. You know uh, what, Holden? I saw you do it many times, and I laughed I feel like I every time. People wouldn't stop. Yeah. I was shocked. They would just keep clapping. And, and uh, eventually, sometimes I'd be like, all right, I'm done. Um, so at the age of five, he asked his dad to build him a stage on which he and his two siblings would put on plays. Adorable. Which I think is so cute. And um, they would have, like, red lights for... When they went, like, when they did a scene in 
hell or something like that. He had neighborhood kids showing up. The whole rule, though, was he had to be in the play if they were going to put on a production on that stage. So then they just started killing him off in the first act if they were to put a play on, <laughs> which is pretty hilarious. I love it. In high school, he was president of the National Thespian Society, and he went to Boston University for college and then the California Institute of the Arts after that. And after college, he joins the Groundlings in L.A. and becomes friends and comedy partners with, ugh, the greatest ever that is so sad, makes me so sad every time I see his name, yeah. Phil Hartman. I'm going to go ahead and say, as someone that I loved Pee Wee Herman so much, I didn't realize how much of writing partners and an influence yeah. Bill Hartman was in all of it. I I honestly had no idea. And then Usually. in reading this, it just kept getting me all choked up where it's like, as I was like, when is the Phil Hartman episode? I want to do that yeah, one. I know. That's, that's I know. It's I just going to be so It's another cry, man. I will cry so hard <laughs> oh, during that episode. Shit. I love Phil Hartman. I love him. Uh, so he, uh, the Groundlings, of course, if you don't know, it's an improv and sketch school based in L.A. that was formed in 1974 by a man named Gary Austin using an approach to improv largely influenced by Viola Spolin's techniques that helped actors be more present in the moment to find choices as they would in real life using theater games. Now, theater. Congratulations, audience. You don't have to get a theater degree now. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much most of what we learned. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, come on. We rolled around on the floor and cried about our mothers and oh voice no class. and I did have a mask class where I created a serial <laughs> killer character and I would write in my journal actually it was a lot of fucking fun <laughs> Natalie <laughs> I have a dance degree you think I'm talking fucking down to you I mean I would go ahead and say a dance degree probably a bit more challenging I think a lot more challenging than, <laughs> than what we did in theater school but who, you never know so I said fuck Oh, ah! Oh, okay, we can't See, do this. Can't do this I think time. it's kind of fun. Um, also, the um, the California Institute of the Arts at this point in time, I don't know if it still is, was big into performance art and so this is really yes. where Paul Rubin started thinking which we will see again and again throughout this episode he viewed Pee Wee Herman as performance art that this was a right. complete separate entity from who he was but also a part of him yeah and to the point and we haven't even talked about creating the character but just to add to that to the point where that is why he went to such great lengths to make sure that people really thought Pee Wee was a real person and they didn't know that there was actually a guy named Paul Rubens. I mean, Pee Wee Herman is listed as himself in the movies Growing and everything. Growing up, I thought he was Pee Wee Herman. In well, my head, yeah. he I mean, was Pee Wee Herman. To this day, he stays, his actual person stays really private. He doesn't yeah. have yeah. a lot of, you don't get a lot of a view into his life. Yeah, otherwise. right. And he's very, in interviews, he is so, he says no to more questions in interviews than I've ever seen. Like, he would just be like, I don't really think so. Like, there would be this, like, long, overly worded question. Then you'd just be like, I don't really think so. I, I don't really know. <laughs> Which is great. <laughs> it's like his answer. And yes, he is very, sometimes to a point where I, I, you can feel, and you can feel how sensitive Paul Rubens is. Mm -hmm. In every interview of how he takes a lot of questions, which is why he would do a lot of his interviews as Pee Wee Herman, because mm -hmm. he was able to freely discuss his life and his wants and his needs as Pee Wee Herman. He's so cool. He is so cool. Oh, he made me feel like I fit in. I know. Seriously. Quick side note before we get into him creating Pee Wee. 
before Pee Wee, you can see this on YouTube, by the way. Rubens did some appearances on the Gong Show in different fashions. One was like a a, a guy girl kind of side duo kind of comedy bit or whatever, and just all sorts of just it's so bizarre to watch, and it's just Rubens being real goofy and and ridiculous. He went on the Gong Show fifteen times. I didn't realize it was that many. Fifteen times, and I think he won a good amount of those times. Because if you guys are not aware, this is a show. It was like a talent show that essentially he would go on with other Groundlings people and apply to be on it as characters doing like the things that they're really good at. And if they're not good at it, they get gonged off the show. (laughs) And the first time he went on it, he was working with a comic Charlotte McGinnis and they had a duo called the hilarious Betty and Eddie you can look it up it's delightful and they won $500 and were immediately invited back so it was actually a really great way for struggling comedians and actors to make a quick buck just to go on the gong show if you could get on it it's a it seems like a much more organic version of America's Got Talent where you didn't have to actually produce an entire you know $10,000 crew and, right. and <laughs> costume it and like do all this stuff and, and have pyrotechnics and all that America's Got Talent yeah <laughs> so while at the Groundlings Rubens creates his peewee persona during one of the above mentioned exercises or previously rather mentioned exercises back in 1977 in which the group created characters one might see in a nightclub act with him approaching it under the premise of a man who wanted to be a comic but was horrible at it. In this performance, he did the signature laugh as well as the catchphrase, I know you are, but what am I? I know you are, but what am I? (laughs) I know you are, but what am I? I know you are, but what am I? I've definitely used it in fights before. Yes, for sure. As a kid. And you know what? Maybe I should start using it now. <laughs> it's one of those things that can just make you go. Ins- it's like when you also yeah. copy whatever somebody just said. Oh, I makes, that, that makes, makes me, me furious. <laughs> I think it makes everyone. I don't yeah. know and any it still person. still does. Yeah. Just thinking about it. I can't have kids. No. Because I'll fucking punch them. Only thing you can do to combat it is uh. to not talk, which is the last thing you want to do in that moment is not say anything because mm-hmm. you're so mad at the person. And then they win. They immediately win. And they win. All, they always win every time. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So also for the Pee Wee voice, back in 1970, he did a stage production of Life with Father and in which he was cast as an annoying character. And that is where he developed his Pee Wee voice initially. What I love about this 
is that so the voice came from that show but it was not the voice he was originally doing for the show at the beginning of the run to the point that it was driving everyone crazy because he just saw it because he was supposed to be the younger or he was either younger or the oldest brother in it and he just started <laughs> can you imagine it, it's a straight play that <laughs> he is in and then he starts talking like that in the in the middle of the run and they didn't understand and he said and i was like wow it is really different from the beginning of the run. So the voice came from that. That's Pee-wee's voice. I didn't know, you know. I didn't know you weren't supposed to, like, change it completely into a cartoon. It was unwitting. Unwittingly, I did it unwittingly. And <laughs> I think that that's it's just kind of fun. It just really pissed everybody unwittingly. off. Unwittingly. <laughs> <laughs> so Phil Hartman and fellow groundling John Paragon really help Rubens develop his character. Uh, the last name actually came from his childhood harmonica, or the first name, rather, came from his childhood harmonica, which was Pee-wee branded. And Herman apparently was just, just this super annoying kid that he grew up with, which makes so much sense. Yes. His name's Herman! Of course <laughs> Herman sucks! So yeah, that's how we pulled that together. Gary Austin, the Groundlings founder, actually made Pee-wee's first gray suit by hand with an unknown individual giving him the little red bow tie right before the show. And apparently it really bothered his mother and his grandmother that suit and he said my grandmother for many years during my early success would always call my mother and go please let me buy him a suit. She never <laughs> understood that the suit was purposely bad and didn't fit me. <laughs> are you, and also are you gonna talk about just jeff oh <laughs> yeah no we should we're definitely gonna talk because i wanted to talk about some of the other characters he was doing at the time and that was another character he was he had created do you, do you remember about just jeff from the book i thought it was how he started how he started developing peewee well that was it was for that same exercise that he had created peewee from when you like he had to create a stand-up comedian so he created just jeff who was an 18 year old that would sit in the back of the theater because he quote unquote couldn't perform because he was <laughs> underage and at then the he comedy would, store right yeah at the yeah. comedy store and then he would like sneak up after everyone had already gone up and and he would bomb like he was this 18 year old kid who would not tell them his last name and he went by just jeff and he was this weird like tertiary character at the comedy store and like he would at the end of the night be allowed to go up because he couldn't before they stopped serving alcohol and he would just bomb every time and he just kept he had props which is how if you see the original broadway version of peewee he comes out and he does like all of his very, toys like, oh he's a toy yeah. la, 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 la. and that yeah. is apparently what just jeff did on stage every every night at that 2 a.m. That is so funny. And he does that on his first appearance on Letterman as well. Yeah. He, he just brings a cardboard box out. All of his toys. Because he keeps <laughs> saying over and over again, he's like, I didn't, he didn't view himself as a stand-up because he knew in real life, as well as Pee Wee Herman, he was bad at telling jokes. He's like, I would always miss up an element of the joke. I never was good at writing jokes, which is why he created a persona instead. Because at the same time, he was also doing a character called Joe Longtoe, who was a Native American chief <laughs> with a propensity time. for dancing on his toes, which is where the tequila dance comes in. Yes. Oh, my God. The tequila dance is so fucking... That whole sequence is so funny. Uh, so amazing. I think even from that time, he understood the the physical comedy of his bird-boned body. Like yes. He's so wiry and long, and right. he's actually pretty tall, and just all limbs, and it makes he it very it. funny. 
to see him move around like that. And at this point in time, too, Gary Austin, who is the creator of the Groundlings, and Phil Hartman both came out and had said many times throughout this history that they never thought that Pee-wee was his best character. What mm. Gary Austin says, I never thought it was his best character. I thought he had better ones. It just turns out that, for whatever reason, that's the one he chose to really pursue and made his career. And what Pee-wee Herman, or what Paul Rubin says about Phil Hartman is that Phil always loved Pee-wee Herman, but he used to give me a hard time originally about focusing on this instead of doing all of my other characters. I like the idea of becoming Pee-wee and letting the public think Pee-wee was a real person. Phil was very frustrated by that. He thought I was squandering my talent. I want to make a quick correction on myself. It wasn't the Broadway show when he pulled the box of toys out. It was his original show they recorded at the Roxy in Los Angeles in uh-huh. 1981. Mm-hmm. That and then was when he reprised toys. it, yeah. when he reprised it on Broadway, the more recent one, uh, the HBO special, I believe, does he not? I, be- I thought he did that. I he usually has his toys pretty close. I don't think he does <laughs> the box because I just watched we're it. All gonna, we're going to get a bunch of hate mail from people about this damn box of toys, well, Natalie. It's, just, it's kind Good. of fun though because <laughs> it, it. it is so interesting because you remember certain facets of like, okay, was that in Big Top or was that when people right. was doing this other thing? Because he is the same character in very different environments mm-hmm. and, in, yes. and seen in very different There's ways. There's no so canon. It's, it's all completely yes. different stories. So it's difficult yeah. to keep them all straight. Ever, you know. That sets up my quote perfectly. This is what Rubens had to say about Pee-wee. To me, there was a conceptual aspect to Pee-wee. If you thought Pee-wee was a kid, fine. If you thought Pee-wee was a man trying to be a kid, great. If you thought Pee-wee was developmentally challenged, <laughs> fine. Whatever. <laughs> uh, he just But just is. to show you how... How he was so undefinable in this way that I think fascinated adults and children. It was so it was so accessible too. It was just somebody uh-huh. that you could connect to so much, and it has worked through the generations, which I'll talk about when I when I talk about the show when we went out to see last week. Yeah, um, hell yeah. Yeah. Um, also in 1979, and uh, Rubens tested the character out on the dating game, which is amazing. He apparently said he went out to audition for the dating game, and he got a call back. Like, before he could even get home, they loved him so much. And I think he did a few appearances. I had a harder time actually finding those appearances on YouTube. He got two dates out of it, though. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's the most we'll ever know about his love life. He does not talk about that shit. I love that one. Because, like, the data game, you know, you have to list all of the things that you like to do. So he would list the likes of Pee Wee Herman (laughs) and not of him, of just, like, like all the silly things he liked to do and that a woman you know what I'm gonna go and say it if someone was giving me all of those kind of things I'd be like well at least it'll be fun yep I'll go on a date with that I'll go ride a roller coaster with this kid yeah so actually through failure comes great success as it tends to do it drives people and back in 1980 uh, Paul Rubens got very close to being a cast member on SNL. He was one of the so 22 close. finalists uh, yeah. uh, from across the country. But they gave it to Gilbert Gottfried instead, which was a double whammy for Rubens because they did have a similar, just yeah. huge performance style that made it like, oh, I'll ne-, you know, they, they, yeah, they, they picked the other version the of him. The other weird skinny nerd. Well, and that's what he yeah. said. Yeah, he said, it's not going to be me and Gilbert. We were the yeah. dorky, nerdy, weird guys, which, yeah. right. yes, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly it. So, 
Super frustrated by this, Rubens decides to borrow money and start his own show in LA, a late show, like essentially competing with SNL, and he cobbles together around $5,000 to do so with the help from groundlings like John Paragon, Phil Hartman, and Lynn Marie Stewart. Now, this is where this idea of, so we will see it a couple of times later on, we'll see it with Phil Hartman, and this is a time where there was a TV producer that had come to him as he was formulating Pee Wee Herman. Her name is Donna Kaufman. She had asked a friend of hers, Cassandra Peterson, who would who was a member of the Groundlings and would later become cult icon Elvira. Hell yeah. She asked her because she had this woo, woo. great idea for a late night show. And Cassandra Peterson recommended Paul Rubens. What Donna Kaufman said, I thought it would be wise to come up with a late night show that couldn't be touched by the censors because we would never say a naughty word and we would never have any explicit sexuality. We wouldn't have anything we would be attacked for. Everyone would know what we were talking about, but we wouldn't be directly saying anything that would put us at risk. She was the one that came to him with this idea, Mm -hmm. but it is difficult to find that out because because Paul Rubens doesn't like to include that in the story. Ah. In the same way with Phil Hartman and later on when Phil Hartman sues him, where they both had big hands in creating where Pee Wee Herman had gotten to and he doesn't acknowledge them very often. Which I also, if you think about it, it is him. Mm-hmm. And that's got to be hard to say, well, no, no, we all did this together. Because at the end of the day, he is the one that has to do it. Well, there He also, is right. the one that has to be it. And I think there also is an element of show business that when you're younger and starting something like this, you don't fully grasp, which is you you have this team, you love them, you care for them, they've like helped you through everything, and you go, I'm taking you all with me, we're all going to do this together. And then... So as soon as bigger hands come into the pot, oh yeah, that, that completely breaks it apart. And there's so many things that have so many elements that come into, into play where you can't take every person, and you have to. You're getting pressured by different people, and there's all these things getting thrown in there that you end up hurting people sometimes very unintentionally. Yeah, but right. it's not usually a malicious. I don't. I never got anything from Paul Rubens that was a malicious. Like I'm yeah. gonna use you right. up. I totally agree with you, Natalie. Also, really quick side note, guys. Can we maybe like do an episode on Elvira? Maybe like during the month of October? Absolutely. Of course we are. I don't know if I told you this, but I've already decided this for us. So, um, <laughs> The fact that I didn't realize she was in Groundlings. Yeah. I know. I, <laughs> I mean, really, come on. I love Elvira. Anyways, going back to the show, uh, the stage show featured several characters that would go on to appear in Playhouse years later, including Captain Carl, Jambi the Genie, Miss Yvonne, uh, Terry the Pterodactyl, and Clocky, of course. The show gets actually popular enough to get a following at the Roxy Theater, which was opened back in 1973, generally known as a music vi- uh, venue. And still there to this day. Yeah. Oh, yeah, baby. Totally. And what Paul Rubin said about this time he had said, the Pee Wee Herman show actually developed out of spite that I didn't get Saturday Night Live. I was so upset. And people, I literally was thinking to myself, I'm going to go from this like up and comer guy to like, you know, the guy sitting out in front of Rite Aid, tucking on your pant leg, going like, can you help me out without ever having all anything one going step on? step away from that all I the mean, time. really, yes. <laughs> and I love that it's like, can you, because I think that we've definitely all been there. And a part of the reason why we've gotten to where we've gotten to is because you're like, well, no one's opening any fucking doors for me mm-hmm. ah, yeah but ah. i guess i better open the door for myself all of my mm-hmm. successes have come out of fear and desperation and rejection <laughs> uh starting from when i got kicked out the best thing that ever happened to me i still say this is when i got kicked out of 
uh, acting school back in college. Absolutely. Like that was the big change in the timeline for me that really got me to where, you know, with Murder Fist and everything after that. Um, uh, also, the second best thing is when I gave my brother a Prince box set on vinyl. Uh, 1999, I gave it to him. <laughs> I hate you. The best thing that ever happened to me was not getting into the dance program that I desperately wanted to. Yeah. And I yeah. was forced to leave Pittsburgh. I don't know if I ever would have left. Otherwise. <laughs> we have to be thankful for the things. Sometimes, you know what? You got to take the change, even though it's hard. Rubens also had this to say about the stage show. I never viewed the adult version of the show, which was done at midnight and was an homage to 50s children's television shows as solely for adults. I tried to make it so that the act carried over into the version that wound up on CBS on Saturday mornings. And if a kid had seen the original version and caught something in the Saturday morning version, he might be able to laugh at something dirty because he caught the reference. And if a kid didn't know, it flew right over his head. I always design things to be double entendre so it could be appreciated either way. I never really viewed it as, oh, this is the adult version and this is the kids version. In fact, when we were doing the adult version, I tried to make it for kids. And as soon as I had a real kids show, I tried to add enough stuff to make adults remain interested in it, which I think it shows. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Um, did you did you guys uh, had you seen the 1981 HBO special previous to doing this episode i didn't no. think that i had until i was watching it and was awash with emotions that i definitely had yeah. <laughs> I, I think i just came across it in the late 90s early 2000s as it was on hbo and um it is so fucking funny still it's so funny and you can watch it's, a, it's just on youtube now yeah. you can find it and i really recommend you go look at it because if you've not seen this it is the the it's birth an adult of show. the yes. Pee Wee's Playhouse kids show, but it is it's a slight twist on it. But it it's so funny, and it's just it's for adults. And there's little tiny like just like what you're saying when they're trying to build that show that's not dirty but sturdy. It's got just those funny moments in it, like the the section where Miss Yvonne is is slapping the makeup on her face because she wants to. Uh, Captain For Phil Hartman, like, yes, oh, I love. It, it's so <laughs> fucking good, and especially at the because at the time I was like, oh my god, I bet they were so young. Can you imagine me this? They in eighty one, he was twenty nine years yeah, old. Yeah, no, wow. they were so not that's kids. why they were so good at it. It's because they had years and years yeah. of experience totally. working together, and that is the dream. Especially you know, as sketch people, it's the we wait, we all get to do this, and then. Make money? Yeah. <laughs> we can make money off of this? Yeah. And I will say the HBO special, it's exposed him to a wider audience, but it was actually more his appearances on Late Night with David Letterman in the early 80s that really made him more of a household name leading up to the film. Letterman, this is my favorite quote from doing any research on this uh, topic. This is so funny to me. This is what David Letterman had to say about why he loved having Pee Wee on so much. What makes me laugh is that it has the external structure of a bratty little precocious kid, but you know it's being controlled by an incubus, the manifestation <laughs> of evil, evil itself. <laughs> That's so fun. <laughs> it is. Of course it is. The fact that Paul Rubens keeps saying that Pee Wee is a, it's a separate entity, but also it is a part of his being because it, it's a part of his soul. That's a scary look into a, the inside <laughs> yes. of, of a full-grown man. Now, yes. at this time, Pee Wee Herman as a character is gaining more and more traction, and the Roxy Theater is going so well. Was, but, was Cheech and Chong before? 
the Roxy Theater? No, it's after. It's after? After. Yeah. Yeah, I, or around the same time, maybe even he might have been doing the show and then did the the yeah he yeah. does have a bit part in um a Cheech and Chong film yes, and even though he was great on Letterman, now Warner Brothers was interested in possibly doing a movie with him, and at this point in time they were worried that Pee Wee Herman wouldn't have enough presence in the national mainstream because of his limited fan base to sell a movie. The question was, would people want to pay to watch more than a few minutes of Pee Wee Herman's antics? So what did they do? So this is the, at this time, he, uh, Paul Rubens and Phil Hartman and Mike Varhall, who was another dude at the Groundlings that they, the three of them worked with, are working on the script for Pee Wee's Big Adventure during the week. And on the weekends, Paul Rubens goes on tour with the Pee Wee yes. Herman Party, a 22-city tour. And what happens is that every single show was sold out. And the last show was in Los Angeles, and Warner Brothers came to him backstage. Phil Hartman hands him, hands him a script, and they go, all right, we'll do it. <laughs> and all he had to do was go and do 21 sold-out shows wow. to really <laughs> clinch the fact that he was going to get this movie deal. So initially, his script is a remake of Pollyanna, which is a Disney so live weird. action film starring child actor Haley Mills as the role Pee-wee would have played about a cheerful orphan <laughs> that changes the outlook of a small town, which Rubens has said is his actual favorite film. Delightful. Haley Mills uh, is my birthday twin, it? so I don't want to... Birthday twin! Yeah. Birthday I twins. Not see, I've never seen Pollyanna, but I remember all of the clips like the little teaser things in front of I think most Disney movies we had on VHS. Yeah I, I feel like I've seen moments of that movie but never the whole thing. No. But I did see Parent Trap a hundred million times. Oh my god I saw Parent Trap a bunch. While writing this Pollyanna script however Rubens notices that everyone at Warner Brothers gets a bike to get around the back lot so he asked for one as well because of course a studio lot is like very spacious and spread out. That's why you you know you yeah, have the golf, golf carts. carts. Yeah stuff like that it's it's not really a walkie kind of situation a lot of times because you just have to go so far to get to where you're going on a studio lot so they give Paul Rubens a refurbished 1940s Schwinn bicycle which made him abandon his script this bike was so awesome <laughs> made him abandon his script and write one with Phil Hartman and Michael Varhall now this script is loosely based on the bicycle thief a highly acclaimed Italian neo-realist drama from 1948 about a man searching for his stolen bike in post-World War II Rome. Just which like I it. had I... no idea that it was based on the bicycle thief. It's like super serious acclaimed film. Ruben said, I turned in the script of the movie with a list of about 200 directors I had gotten out of, uh, out of a director's book who I thought were good. The studio then settled on one director. Of course, this is classic studio shit right here. The studio then settled on one director who wasn't on my list. And that I thought was absolutely wrong. I made a stupid stink to my manager about it. And my manager said, are you crazy? You have a green light approved movie if you go with this guy they are asking for. I said, I'm sorry. It's not the right guy. I spent 15 years getting to this point. I got to have the right director. I mean, he's right. Mm -hmm. He's right. Someone who can put their own stamp on it. So I went to a party and somebody at the party who had just seen Frankenweenie, Tim Burton's short film that he made for Disney. Uh, Shelley Duvall was in Frankenweenie and I knew she. Shelly, and so I called Shelly, and she said, oh my God, Paul, you and he are so perfect together. When I screened the short film the next day, I knew in the first six shots that I wanted him to do it. It was absolutely incredible. It was the biggest piece of luck early on in my career and I could uh, that I could have had. 
we were completely simpatico. He was 26 years old at the time. That's so crazy. He's 20. Right. Tim Burton's first feature length movie. My friends would come on the set and go, which one's the director? And I'd point him out and they'd go, come on. No, where? Where's the real director? It's a, so I feel like in in throughout this research it really fills in all of the facts of why I was so obsessed with Pee Wee mm-hmm, Herman. Mm-hmm, he was mm-hmm. with all the weirdos that we wanted to be. All the, yeah. Even the fact that he was friends with Shelley Duvall, like that makes so much sense. Yep. The fact that at, at this point in time is when he really started hanging out with Prince. Not to and bring also, in the, the other one of our episodes. The, and that also makes so much sense. Yep. And also he had a huge link into the punk scene and there were a lot of punk musicians who were working without Throughout the like the even back to the HBO special time, and so he always had these really fucking cool musicians in all of his his work. Well, and actually, he's very open with the fact that he wanted to he lived within the realm of the punk world because he was working with Gary Panter at the time, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. was the one that was creating all of the the poster work, mm-hmm. and who will eventually make the entire set for Pee Wee's Playhouse. That we'll uh-huh. we'll get into that a little bit more later, and his wife too. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's interesting too about Burton is that it is it is a fascinate like it is a huge risk for him. Frank and Weenie, it's a live action short released in 1984 about a boy who tries to bring his dog back to life after it was run over by a car. Disney straight up fired Burton after this film is finished as the company felt it was a total waste of the resources and that the film was not at all suitable for young audiences. I loved Frank and Weenie mm-hmm. when they made it into a full length movie. Mm-hmm. I love Frank and Weenie. It's like, yeah, it was. It, so this is like all he's done so far is is technically a failure. <laughs> you know, and I also loved I saw another quote from Ruben saying like he he could tell just by the wallpaper in the boy's room at the very beginning of the film that that was the director for him because Tim Burton had style mm-hmm. and that's what he Absolutely. was looking for. Yeah, he was looking for that unique style that 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 he was also bringing to the world as Pee-wee. And Richard Abramson, who's one of the producers of Pee-wee's Big Adventure, had said about Tim Burton and Paul Rubens working together. They said that Tim Burton and Paul Rubens working together was smooth sailing. Tim had more influence on the look and the characters surrounding Paul than on the way Paul performed as Pee-wee. Tim Burton added the clown stuff. Actually, we had to cut it back a bit because it was getting too dark. If you look at everything Tim has done, Big Adventure is the brightest film he ever directed. It is. Which is true, but it also, it, it makes, 
it makes so much sense of like because then it's like like large marge and the other things that are brought in of these darker elements and fuse the environment of peewee herman and tim burton's it's exactly what paul rubens wanted with this movie you can uh-huh. make color really weird scary and creepy yes. if like you hyper it up like that yeah yeah, yeah totally edwards is hands right yep and uh, uh also after burton is signed on Phil Hartman, Varhol, and Rubens reworked the script using the book. I just want to highlight this. The book Screenplay by Sid Field as a reference point. And I uh, have also read this book, and it greatly helped me when it came to my approach to screenplay writing. It really just gives you the basic rules. This needs to happen on this page. This needs to happen on this page. Rubens said it's a 90-minute film. It's a 90-page script. Rubens explained, on page 30, I lose my bike. On page 60, I find it. It's literally exactly what they said to do in the book. So if you are curious about writing a screenplay but you feel intimidated or you feel like you have no idea what's going on that's a great reference uh, to use and it's worked for a lot of people I also believe um, Tina Fey used it to write Mean Mean Girls that was the book she read and then she wrote that so the film is shot all over the place in California as well as San Antonio, Texas and it's actually Tim Burton who is a fan of Oingo Boingo Mm -hmm. and so asks the front man Danny Elfman to compose the score and I just have to say upon my recent viewing I had to real like how important that score the is to that is movie so being good. as good as it is. And you know, one thing, and we'll talk about Pee Wee's Big Holiday, but one, and that was actually done by Mark Mothersball. Yeah. But in comparison to the fucking Big Adventure score, it just doesn't. It's just it's like not feels quite deflated. the same. Well, you could say that Tim Burton is really only Tim Burton because of Danny Elfman. I mean, it's kind of like work together hand in so hand. Well. Yeah. And and this is the crazy simpatico like unbelievable just the fates all coming together between Rubens, Elfman, and Burton. It it is just like... Lightning in a bottle. Together. And so now that Tim Burton is working with Pee Wee Herman, he brings in Danny Elfman. And Danny Elfman said, I did a demo on a four-track tape player playing all the parts, and I made a cassette and sent it to him and never expected to hear from him again. But that piece of music became the main title of Pee Wee's Big Adventure, and it got me the job. I was really shocked. So he had this conversation, just went home, made the opening theme for Pee Wee's Big Adventure, and sent it to him, and then he's just like, done, yeah. Come on! And it really does fit so perfectly the style of the movie with the, you know, I did it earlier in the episode, but the, that... But then it just goes from, it goes from loud to quiet, back to loud, so seamlessly. And so perfectly that you're constantly, like, caught off guard by it and constantly in a state of, like, again, just not knowing what the fuck's going to happen next and being, like, you know what I mean? It's just... And, again, that's what I love so much about this movie is I just feel like it is so unpredictable and it just goes so many different places that you never expect it to go. Um, Oh, God. Another thing from the movie was the dinosaur park thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Well, it makes me think of the movie Clifford, but of course Clifford, I think, comes out obviously much later than Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Well, I was, as a kid, I remember just being like, where the fuck does this exist? I want to go sit in a dinosaur. I want to go there. It's also in the um, movie The Wizard. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was just like, what the hell is this? The Wizard, of course, is a 90-minute Nintendo commercial that I loved as a child. Yes, The Wizard. I feel like there's going to be a Wizard and the Bruiser episode on The Wizard at some point. Yeah, right? Has Jenny Lewis from Rilo Kylie. Yep. It's got, uh, yeah, it's so crazy. 
Uh, so the infamous Large Marge scene was actually done by the Chiodo brothers. Is that the right way to say that? The Chiodo sure. brothers? I thought it was Chiodo, but... Chiodo, uh, yeah, I always pronounce things wrong and people let me know all the time and I'm I'm terrible at it. Uh, but anyway, Stephen, Charles, and Edward are the brothers and they also did puppets and effects for Killer Clouds from Outer Space. Which is a wonderful, it. fun movie. Uh, Critters and Team America World Police. <laughs> Ruben said, I didn't write it as a kid's movie. I wrote it to have a wide range. I still have kids who come up to me and say that that moment when Large Marge turned around, I still can't watch. It's like the people in my generation who, if you mention Walt Disney, within 30 seconds start reliving scenes of the wicked stepmother from Sleeping Beauty. There were just things in Disney movies that probably were too scary for kids, yeah. and I think that we need to bring it bring back. Bring it back. Bring it back. The Sleeping Beauty stuff didn't scare me. I loved that scene. I guess that makes uh-huh. me... A little dark. Well, I think we were all <laughs> watching lots of dark things at the time. You yeah. know, when you it's, it, you stop being scared of Large Marge when I I stopped when I saw it when I was like six, and I was like, I got other things to be scared of. I'm good. Large Marge isn't that bad. Wow. Perspective, because you know what? I'm so I was such a perspective Wait, based child. It, it knocked out Large Marge because I feel like Large Marge would be much scarier. The to problem me as a is child. that um, it made me more scared of a tangible thing mm. like the bathroom. Just in <laughs> general, I was then scared of going into the bathroom. But that woman's face turns into clay. <laughs> but that's why you know what? You just don't trust. You don't trust anybody. That's what it taught. Yeah. It just was stranger you danger. You shouldn't hitchhike. Know that's it. for damn sure. You shouldn't hitchhike. Um, I had mentioned it before. Before that the peewee dance, the tequila dance, of course, was part of a character he had done in the past. But I did love this, that what it was originally based on was the dance was actually inspired by a dirty joke his dad used to tell. And he said the joke was something like you put one thumb in your Ruben's points at his backside and one in your mouth and then you switch. And that's like the end of the joke, but he doesn't that's even the remember joke. the rest of the joke. <laughs> that, means, that means you have poop in your mouth. Yeah, though. I think, yeah, it's, you get poopy mouth. So it's a poopy mouth dance. So huh. Big Adventure is made on a budget of $8 million and grossed over $40 million on the North American box office alone. It is this massive success. Um, way more successful than a poopy finger joke poopy could ever finger. be. Uh, as just to connect the dots there a little bit, because I know that was a jarring la, la, transition. La, la. <laughs> Uh, And before we get into Pee-wee's Playhouse, I just wanted to share this quote from Paul Rubens because I think it's so great. I've always felt like a kid and I still feel like a kid and I've never had any problem tapping into my childhood and my kid's side. And I think that's a very universal thing. I don't think it's unique to me at all. People I've talked to in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s have all told me, quote, you know, I still feel 20. So I don't expect that I'm going to be any different. I still feel 20. Me too. No, I, I feel, feel better 16. than 20. Yeah, I feel way better than 20. <laughs> I Ugh. feel great. I, feel, yeah. I still feel like a, a boy, a boyish man. Well, you don't look like it. <laughs> wow. Interesting. Because <laughs> I'm old. You're old. Good uh, comeback. Looking. I think it's fun to be in your 30s. I know you I are, do. but what am I? <laughs> I'm in my 30s. You, you are in your 30s. So next comes Pee-wee's Playhouse. Oh, my and God. And we really want to take our time with it, so we are going to do it in a part two. 
But I figured, uh, why not, since Natalie's fresh off of the show and it's fresh in her mind, can you tell us a little bit about the show because and all that stuff? Because it's such a small I feel like I'm tour. conducting a professional interview right now. I know. Natalie Jean. Let's you throw it to Natalie. You have lived a fanciful and interesting life. As May you an audience member. regale us with a tale of your live experience watching Pee Wee's Playhouse. I think that we're all very intrigued by what this, if you, uh, if you follow Pee Wee Herman and what he's doing right now, I really am want to know what happened at this. So it's the 35th anniversary of Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Not, I don't think it's a Pee-wee's Big Adventure because that was... 85. 84, 85? Oh, so it's, yeah, 35. Oh, yeah, you're right. Hmm. So well, it's the anniversary, so he's doing this, like, Q&A tour. It's actually... Okay, so it's going on right now, and there's there could be uh, tour dates that are not sold out yet. I'm not sure, but you should totally check in on it because it's going to be over the next month or two. But this is, he started it, I think in Ventura, he had his first screening and it sold out in like 30, like literally 30 seconds yes. online. So he ended up having two more shows in Los Angeles. Hell yeah. And it's it's sort of, the I think, just the launching of the rest of this tour. But what it really is, is a screening of Pee-wee's Big Adventure with him coming out at the end and talking. He It's called a Q&A, but as he says, as he comes out, he's like, I know that it's going to be, it says Q&A, but this is mostly going to be an A. Um, uh, so it is uh, he does come out and talk and it's the screening which is really fun and then it starts out with footage from the premiere of the original 1985 screening of it and it's Pee-wee doing interviews with people outside and it's a good 20 minutes of really fun crazy footage of him interviewing like Mr. T the fat boys like people from the cast <laughs> so Danny he's Elfman. working this premiere before his own premiere yeah I yeah <laughs> I just I love him so much he's wonderful and uh Danny it's it's fun to see how baby faced they are Danny Elfman looks like he is 12 years old in it he's is wearing a bow tie Danny Elfman as hot as Tim Burton was at this time because he's a ginger <laughs> Oh, oh, I'm. Please keep going. I'm gonna look up pictures of Daniel. Now. <laughs> He's another bird-boned man. Ooh, okay. Uh, so that's very fun. The, so it was a sold-out screening Never we went mind. to, and as we were coming in, are you? <laughs> yeah, Daniel. Oh my God! No, 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 no! Never mind. Never Daniel mind. Oh no, the young taste. pictures. Oh no, the young pictures. I'd hit that. Sorry, I apologize. Sorry, rawr, rawr, Jackie's rawr, over here getting rawr, thirsty. Rawr, rawr, rawr. <laughs> Do you need to go into the bathroom for ten minutes and rejoin us? <laughs> <laughs> um, so we, when we were coming in, it was, I think it's a popular trend right now, but um, people were dressed up for the screening. Everybody, I kind of wore a dress that I felt like was Playland appropriate, but I wasn't dressed as any character. But there were a million people dressed as Pee Wee. Some people had really fun creative costumes. Like um, there was a, a guy, I think it was two guys playing the part of whatever Pee Wee and the, the tag guy the the the, criminal, the mattress tag man when they're incognito trying to get through the police checkpoint oh my god i love that so outfit it was, like, yes. it was like one guy was wearing like a very fake goatee and mustache and the other That's guy awesome. was wearing the the blue sweater dress it was it was a wonderful <laughs> That's such a great couples costume i know oh my god. Yeah, i know i know um so the second we go into will call Joe Maganello's in front of us. Joe Maganello's in front of her. Oh my god! Oh. That's one of the very fun things about LA is that you just w run into random people like that all the time. But because it was Pee Wee, it was 
such a weird collection of LA people. And because it's also Pee Wee, it's not a VIP thing. So all of the people who were there to see him were just sitting with us. And it was like David Arquette was there, Rashida Jones was right in front of us. Um, I forget her name, but the woman who plays Simone was in the audience. Ooh. Uh, EG da- oh, I'm sorry, what's her name? EG, EG Daly. EG yeah. Daly was in the audience. It was so cool. And everybody was just hanging out in the audience. And um, so that first part happens the of the uh, original premiere footage. And then it goes into the screening. And it is such a joyful fun high energy experience because everyone there loves it so much and everybody's doing the lines together and laughing that everybody's doing the lines That's together awesome and it's so fun had a great time and then as the movie's ending you know peewee comes out and you can tell like he's visibly moved that everybody because i don't think he was expecting people to be this Oh wow! Excited about it, and he's such a sensitive dude. Is yeah. what I think. I, if I'm picking up what he's putting down, yes. And we'll and we'll get into why he has a lot, even more reason to be sensitive at this point. Yes. Um, with everything that's happened, and you know the, the the rise and fall, we will cover next week. The many, the many rises and falls. Yeah. <laughs> but he comes out, and he comes out as Paul Rubens. He's not wearing his peewee suit. Okay. But he is now 67 years old. He looks great, but you can tell he's older. And he just comes out and he has this huge stack of papers. It's a prop, but he's like, (laughs) it looks like he's going to go through all these notes. And he just comes out and he is just, he's moved by it. And he's, he said, I I just, I want to thank you so much. I had no idea. It was the most incredible thing listening to you from backstage. Like I was, I cried a couple different times while he was talking. I'm going to cry right Um, now. I know. (laughs) I'm getting a little choked (laughs) up. It really, it really is. It's something that makes my heart feel so good to see a guy who is in the you know maybe the last third of his life looking out at an audience of every age range like he got like two standing ovations during the speeches because people were so happy to see him and it, it, it is so moving as somebody who as a performer and creator just to see like somebody receive that after yeah. a life of work and it was really touching but during that during the talk he basically would just break down what was happening backstage and he had um slides of all these behind the scenes photos of the that are not you know public photos well, when was which photo was your favorite there was a photo from just like over the shoulder of him talking with tim burton they both mm. look like babies and it's like a very um not posed photo. He's so misunderstood that young Timber. <laughs> and it, it's just it, you can see like the lightning in that photo. It's yeah. just these two people who are going to actually change the world in a lot of ways. And and for me, really wrote who I was as a kid a whole lot. Yeah. Seeing them as young people creating that and it's really it's right. it's really in, insane to see. Um but we also weren't allowed to have our phones uh, they we had those things where they you have to put your phone in the sack. Yeah, because uh-huh. he didn't. I don't think he wanted people taking pictures good. of the pictures. Which cool. I think um, no, I think yeah. which is how it should be. You know. Yeah, good. Um, how um, did you touch Joe Manganiello? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I I tried to. Um, no, he actually. You know what? He's not that tall. I was surprised that uh. he's not a tall man. And Paul Rubens is actually five ten. He's my height. So 
in the um, Netflix movie, they have sort of cheated their heights to make Joe Magnolia taller. Interesting. I uh, I love their relationship in Pee Wee's Big Holiday. Semi romantic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. go see it if you get a chance. I don't know if there's seriously any tickets left for any of the dates, but uh, give it a look. It's really, really, really fun. Hell yeah. Thank yeah. you so much for sharing your experience with us. Yes. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Next um, week, the continued rise and the fall and then the phoenix-like rise again of one Mr. Pee Wee Herman. I'm very excited about it. And thank you guys so much for joining us this week on our episode of Pop History. Also, this episode does go out to a good friend of ours, Katie. It is dedicated to her from a friend of ours, Kyle. So we're doing this for her birthday, and we just want to say happy birthday, and I hope you enjoy the beginning of our uh, Pee-Wee excursion. Oh, yeah. yeah. Take a picture, it'll last long. Take a picture, it'll last long. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Jackie Zabrowski. My name's Jackie Zabrowski. You can catch us what? on patreon.com forward slash page seven podcast or is it P7 podcast? Page seven podcast. All right. Take it from me, Jackie. Uh, <laughs> Why? Page, yep. page seven podcast. Um, Holden? Oh, oh, I'm Holden McNeely. <laughs> it's two Jackies and one Holden. Natalie, you don't exist anymore. It's fun to be me. Two Jackies and one Holden. That sounds like a fun porn. I don't know if it does. <laughs> <laughs> none, none of us touching each other. Is this how we're ending this episode? I guess. I don't know. I think know. it's fitting based on what happens next episode. All right, fine. I'll be me again. My name's Holden. You can follow me on twitch.tv forward slash Holdenators Ho. Natalie... My name is Holden McNeely. I'm still Holden McNeely. Oh, my God. You can find us on uh, Instagram at page7lpn. Hell, yeah. And again, I'm still Jackie Zabrowski. <laughs> and you can follow me on Instagram at Jack That Worm. Two Holdens, one Jackie. Ooh. One I've seen that cup. nightmarish porn <laughs> video online. We love you guys. We'll be back with part two next week. <laughs> Bye. 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 This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.